Well, good morning, Thrive. How are you guys doing today? Yeah, thank you guys that are in here physically. If you're watching online, there are some people who braved the snow today uh, and came out in it. Uh, glad you guys are also watching online. If you've just joined us, we're in a series called Back to Your Future. Now, many of us would love to go back and change parts of our past, right? Unfortunately, uh, we don't have a DeLorean. We don't have Doc Brown. Uh, we don't have Marty McFly. And we can't go 88 miles per hour. But here's what we want to do during this series is help you to make better decisions and have less regrets for your future starting today, uh, where you can live honoring God with decisions starting today, to forget your past and say, I can start new today. Well, we'll be in 1 Samuel 24, verse 1 this morning. 1 Samuel 24, verse 1. Turn that to your copy of God's Word. Now, I remember back when I was younger, and I can honestly say this about myself, before I knew Jesus, so don't give me the side eye, the evil eye, is I made my best decisions when I was drunk. I did. Like, I look back, and probably you do the same thing, like the best decisions of your life are when you were just completely inebriated, right? Now, we're all laughing, and we're like, <laughs> because we know that's not true. <laughs> Matter of fact, some of the worst decisions, like I'm surprised I'm still alive. It's only the grace of God protecting me because of my stupidity when I was drunk, right? Before I knew Jesus, I'd go out and do those dumb things, and, 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 and I'd make really bad decisions. I'm not, I'm not going to share with you those bad decisions I've made. Some of you are wanting to know, well, what did you do? Um, that will not be told in church, right? God has forgiven me. But here's what happens. When somebody drinks alcohol, it does something to the brain. What it does is it, it releases norepinephrine, which is a stimulant. And that norepinephrine actually begins to block the working of your prefrontal cortex. I know it sounds a lot of scientific stuff, but what, here's what your prefrontal cortex does. Are you ready? It helps you understand that what I'm doing now could really hurt me later. Like you, just can't, you can't connect the dots when you're doing that. And that's why people who are drinking, like you're like, hey, 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 Johnny, just stop. No, 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 be, be quiet. And you're like, yeah, and they're loud, and, they're doing, and you're trying to quiet them down. And they're just, they can't pay attention to their internal cues, and they don't notice everybody's looking at them. And they're doing really crazy stuff. Because why? Their prefrontal cortex is just not connecting the dots. And let me say this. Teenagers, their prefrontal cortex is not fully developed yet. So when you're getting mad at them because they can't connect the dots yet for the future, be easy on them. It's not developed yet. It's still being developed. That's why they only think about here and now. And if you're a student, if you're a teenager or a middle schooler, and you're mad at your parents because you think they're trying to steal your fun, they know that this decision is going to affect you really, really badly later. So don't make that decision. Don't get in that relationship. And they're trying to help you. Well, you know, drunk people, inebriated people, they have an issue connecting the dots. But can I tell you something? I'm not here to talk about drinking or people that are drunk and what they're doing. My question is, why do sober people make the same bad decisions that a drunk person would make? Why is that? And if you look back in, in some of your decisions and things that you've done and I've done, I've made some really bad decisions when I wasn't drinking too. 
And that all comes to, there's a point where the decision is now, just said last week and the story is later. I want to help you figure out how do I, in these moments, when I know I probably shouldn't be doing something, when the red flag comes up, how do I begin to explore that? And the king we're going to look at today is the story of two kings, the, the now king and the next king. Saul was the king of Israel in 1 Samuel 24. He was the first king of Israel. He was very insecure, incredibly insecure. And during his reign, uh, there was a prophet named Samuel who came and anointed David as the second king of Israel, saying, hey, Saul, this will be your successor. Saul did not take kindly to that. It's like Brett Favre and Aaron Rodgers. Like, you know, Brett didn't want him there, and everybody knew it. He did not want David there. As a matter of fact, one day, uh, Saul remembers a song that was sung about David. They were coming back from a battle, and people were lining up in the streets. And here's the song that all the women that said they were, they were on their balconies, they were singing. They were singing, Saul has slain his thousands, but David his ten thousands. Right? And Saul heard that stuff, and he got so angry at David. What Saul began to do was begin to chase David and try to kill him. And so David got some of his closest friends together and said, hey, boys, we got to escape because this guy's going to kill us. He's the king. He has an edict for this. He can destroy us. And they start going from cave to cave, hiding. They're living off the land. It's a very tough time for David and his men. They're wondering where's their next meal going to come from. And they're wondering, will they survive this? Because the king has his special forces out looking for David. And we know that David's anointed. David was a man of humility. And deep down inside, we're all pulling for David, right? We kind of, at this point in the story, if you're following this story, you're probably upset with King Saul that he would be doing this to David, the guy who slayed Goliath, the guy who just, he wrote all the songs and the Psalms. He's such a good king. And we know this and we're upset. Well, in this passage, David and Saul collide and they meet up and Saul finally finds out where David's at and David finds Saul. And look at 1 Samuel 24, verse 1. It says this, After Saul returned from fighting the Philistines, he was told that David had gone into the wilderness of En Gedi. So Saul chose 3,000 elite troopers, like special forces, from all of Israel and went to search for David and his men near the rocks of the wild goats. At that place where the road passes some sheepfolds, Saul went into a cave to relieve himself. The Bible is just real, y'all. Right? It just, again, it, it is what it is. It, it, they, they, they don't pull any punches. But it says this, But as it happened, and watch this, David and his men were hiding farther back in that very cave. Now's your opportunity, David's men whispered to him. Today the Lord is telling you, I will certainly put your enemy into your power to do with him as you wish. I want you to pause for a second and imagine this. Your enemy has been chasing you, wanting to kill you. He's sitting there by himself. He doesn't know you're there. And all David's men are like, hey, David, this is God. Like, this is God's opportunity. This is it right here. Kill him. And if Hollywood was writing the story, the next thing, David would come out of that cave with Saul's head in his hand, and Saul's troops would bow to him, knowing that now he's the king. And David would take the throne and no longer run from Saul. And that's sometimes what we would like to do too, right? When those opportunities arise. But what David does is what we're going to focus on today. It says, so David crept forward 
and cut off his head. No, he didn't, didn't say that. He cut off a piece of the hem of Saul's robe. But then David's conscience began bothering him because he had cut Saul's robe. Pay close attention to this right here. He said to his men, The Lord forbid that I should do this to my Lord the king. I shouldn't attack the Lord's anointed one, for the Lord himself has chosen him. So David restrained his men and did not let them kill Saul. After Saul had left the cave and gone his way, David came out and shouted after him, My Lord the king. And when Saul looked around, David bowed low before him. David's men whispering to him. The opportunity was there. Emotions were running high. Everybody was saying, go for it. But David had a check in his spirit. David felt like this is just wrong. Because David could move forward and kill Saul, but number one, he would be breaking God's law. Like, thou shalt not kill. There's not like a, you know, an asterisk that says, unless your enemy is relieving himself and you have the chance there to cut his head off. He knew he would have to violate God's law and then also violate the will of God to do this. And it said David's conscience began to bother him. And David had to go against his friends. He had to sacrifice and say, we're going to live in caves. We're going to be chased longer. And he had to look at all of his guys and say, no, that's not God. And I can't go with the crowd on this one. I've got to, I've got to listen to this check in my spirit. And friends, each week we're asking a question, like, you know, like, like a question that can help us to make better decisions. And the question I want to pose to you today, and you can write this down, is this. Is there a tension that deserves my attention? Is there a tension that deserves my attention? And that's what happened to David. There was a tension within him that deserved him to pause and say, what's happening? And see, if you're a follower of Jesus, you've been given the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is God's Spirit who lives in you. And He literally speaks to our conscience, and He tries to, to, to scream at us sometimes when we're making decisions or we want to do things. And He's trying to scream at us to stop and pause and don't make that decision. And many times we just blow through the red flags. We blow through all that, and we tend to go with the crowd. I mean, think about it. Guys, you know, you're, you're, you're there at work, and all the guys want to go out to a strip club. They all want to go do that. And they say, oh, no, we're just admiring God's beauty. That's why we're not, we're not doing anything lustfully. That's what guys say. Oh, come on, man. Quit. Oh, just come on. Quit being a wet dish rag, dude. Come on. And you're like, oh, man. I, hey, I don't want to disappoint the guys. Or, or maybe more. Or they want to go to Hooters because they say the wing's good. Guys, there are much better wings than Hooters. Where you go somewhere where you're literally it's dishonoring somebody's daughter right, is dishonoring women. But you say, oh, well, the crowd's doing it. I don't want to disappoint anybody. But you know inside, ah. Now, guys, it's not true, but women, there's a movie that comes out that you know that celebrates adultery and debauchery. And you go, and all the ladies want to go out and have some drinks and then go watch this movie together and laugh at it. And you just know deep inside that maybe that was you before, but that's not you anymore. You know that Jesus has done a work in your heart, and that's not really something you want to celebrate, that stuff. And say, ah, no, 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 I, I can't. But you don't want to disappoint anybody. The crowds are all speaking to you, and you blow through the red flag. Maybe spiritually speaking, somebody begins to gossip about somebody else. And you're sitting there, and they're talking about someone, and you feel so uncomfortable. They're trashing someone else. They're going after them. 
and you know you should be the person who stands up for it and doesn't even participate. But man, you, the crowd's just speaking so loud, just like David's crowd did. And you choose to not pay attention to the tension. Think about it even at your work. Like, you know, like, like, like at jobs, people are just taking things from work or they say, oh, you know, no, no, it, it's okay. Like, you know, everybody, knows, we all do this here. Yeah, I know the boss doesn't know that we're, we're stealing this stuff. I know, you know, we, we cheat our time cards, but, you know, it's all good. And the, crowd, the culture's saying it, but your conscience is saying something else because the Holy Spirit, you know, lives inside of you. And you know that's just not right for a Christ follower. And what I want to do today is help you to understand how to pay attention to the tension when you notice there's something in you that's checking you, that there's a red flag moment. And that can be good or bad. There's times when the Lord will try to speak to you to go do something to step out, to act. And there's times God's saying, don't go that route just like he did David. You, you know better than that, King David. And, and for me, you know, my mama was always someone who always helped me with that tension. We have people in our life who help us with the tension, right? I mean, I mean mamas were right like 90% of the time, maybe even 99 if I want to be honest. I mean, they would just know, honey, that, that person's just not good for you. Or, you know, ah, I just don't think that's right. And we would get so upset with mama, right? But mama, I believe women have something inside of them that's as close to witchcraft as possible called intuition. <laughs> How do y'all know the things you know about people, right? My wife would be like, yeah, I don't, that the person's creepy. You're like, oh, no, they're fine. And all, all of a sudden you find out something later, you're like, yeah. How did you know that? And my mama just knew things. And, and, you know, and me coming to Virginia, some of you may not know this, but when I called my mama, she, you know, she had terminal cancer, and we talked every day. She was my best friend. And I called her, and I was trying to, I was trying to, I was trying to sell her how, how this would be a really bad idea because it's 20 people here, and it was 10 years ago, and we didn't know if we'd make it and what the church would do. And I had a church in Florida. I was on the, on the, you know, living on the water in Florida, right there on, on the intercoastal waterway, and I was trying to sell it to her. And she said, son, she said, you need to pray about this. I think God's in this. I'm like, oh. Mama's always right. Because I knew God was in it. I just didn't want to do it. And, and we have to pause to pay attention to the tension, whether it's a God opportunity or whether it's a sin opportunity. We need to say, that's just not what I need to participate in because of what God is doing in me. See, here's what happens. If we don't pay attention to the tension, then eventually we're going to dishonor God with a bad decision. That's what happened. We blow through red flags and blow through those things. We just know we shouldn't be doing that. We know that's the wrong thing. We know we shouldn't be laughing at the jokes. And we blow through it. Eventually, you'll look back. And because I have these, I've made bad decisions, guys, where I've dishonored God. And I know you've done the same thing. I'm in the same boat with you. And every time, it's because I didn't pay attention to the tension within me. And that's what David did. He paused because he would have dishonored God and had a huge regret and a stain on his record of how he became king. You know, and there are people around us that help us with this. We had a staff member one time, and he had a church that had approached us. And this church said, I want to be a Thrive Church. And the pastor called me and we met with him, and then just, it, was just, it seemed like, man, God was in it, right? It seemed like this was the opportunity Man, we get to expand to another location. The church, we get to adopt this location. It won't be hard. It's going to be easy. And I was just trying. I was selling it seven ways to Sunday to everybody. And some of you remember Justin, who was on staff with us. He always questioned everything. I'll never forget. I got up one morning to drink my coffee and do devotion, and I saw a really long email from him. And in that, literally, there was, there was a tension within him that he was paying attention to. 
And as I went through it, I said, man, he's got a point. Oh, yeah, you know, like, wow. And then as I began to think about it, red flags begin to go up. I begin to pause. I put things on hold. And can I just tell you a long story? I don't want to belabor you with the story. Can I tell you, thank the good Lord above that I did not go with that, what I looked at as, as an opportunity. That pastor's not even at that church anymore. It was, it was a complete mess. He was a complete mess. And the Lord literally helped us dodge a bullet. Why? Because somebody had attention. Everybody else saying, oh, man, this is great. This is God. And one person decided to say, you know what? I'm going to pay attention to the tension that is inside of me. I don't think we should move forward with this. And it would have been a very bad decision for our church, especially before a pandemic even hit. Put that on top of it. And so when those things happen in our life, there's something that you and I have to do. When you, when you feel that tension, don't just blow through it. Don't just set it aside, especially guys. We talked about last week, guys don't really do this well. There's something you and I have to do, and it's what David did, and it's what you and I have to do. It's, it's this, explore instead of ignore. When you feel the check, don't just ignore it. Don't just blow through it. Begin to explore why you feel like that. I wonder why. Huh. I wonder if. I have never seen anyone look back in their life and say, man, if I just, man, I was too patient. Ah, oh, if I just, why was I so patient with that relationship? Why was I so patient with that job? Why? But every, all my problems come back to this. If I just would have been more patient, Right? If I just would have just waited a little longer, something would have revealed itself. If I just would have been, if I just would have. But many of us ignore instead of explore. And when you have that tension, it may hurt, but you have to do it. Matter of fact, one of the best examples I've seen in Scripture before this is the Apostle Paul, who Paul was the apostle to non-Jews who were us, the Gentiles. Thank God for Paul's ministry, how God did it, because we wouldn't be here today if it wasn't for him. And so Paul was called to actually go against the grain, even his own Jewish people. Paul was the most influential Jew besides Gamaliel in all of Judaism before he got saved. Most influential. He would have been the new big teacher of Judaism. And God saves him, and God says, now I'm going to send you to see the Gentiles get saved. And you're going to confront all of Judaism. And so what happens is Gentiles begin to get saved, and the Jewish leaders are having this problem. They're like, yeah, but they're unclean. They're not really Jews. Like, we shouldn't even really eat with them. Like, you talk about racism? There was a huge, huge divide there. And Peter, who was the leader of the church, the man, had an issue of prejudice. He would secretly say one thing to Paul and to Gentiles, but when he ate with the Jews, he'd go, oh, no, no, no. Them guys are unclean, man. Whatever. Yeah, I I didn't eat with them. And he was being two-faced. And so in Galatians, Paul is speaking about the gospel and speaking about being justified by faith and how we're all like Jews and Gentiles both. We're saved by grace through faith. We're made right with God. And he actually brings up this situation with Peter because Paul had a tension that deserved his attention. And I want you to look what Paul does here, and it's in Galatians chapter 2, 11. It says, but when Peter came to Antioch, I had to oppose him to his face for what he did was very wrong. That word face there in the Greek is a word called actor's mask. You remember back in the day, if you watched Three Stooges, that had the three masks up, you know? Well, in the back of the day, the actors would wear masks. It was a happy mask or the sad face. To actually, you know, it wasn't what they really were feeling, but they were putting it. So it was two faces. 
And so he says here in verse 11 that I had to stand up to Peter's two faces, his hypocrisy. Then in verse 14, he says, When I saw that they were not following the truth of the gospel message, I said to Peter, watch this, in front of all the others. He had attention that deserved his attention. Since you, a Jew by birth, had discarded the Jewish laws and are living like a Gentile, why are you now trying to make these Gentiles follow Jewish traditions? Hypocrite is what he was saying. You're two-faced. And Paul said, I cannot ignore this because it's bothering my conscience. And I will stand up and be willing to lose relationship with all of these guys, with Peter, with James, with John, the rest of these pillars. But I'm not going to have this because there's a tension that deserves my attention. He explored instead of ignoring it and saying, well, it all worked itself out. Oh, it all be fine. Let's just all forget about it. And he dealt with it. Now, how do you do this? And I'm going to give you three things this morning of how do you explore that tension within you. The first thing you and I have to do is this. Pause when you can't pinpoint why. Pause when you can't pinpoint why. When you have that tension but you don't know why, don't just say, uh, because that's my problem, guys. No, I don't know. Why do I feel this way? Maybe something's wrong with me and I just go right on through it. Pause. That's what David did when he felt that way. And his conscience began to bother him. See, David was the next king, but David wasn't the now king. And David had to pause in that moment. The apostle Paul had to pause in that moment. And you and I have to do the same thing. When you don't know what the clear next step is, and you're not sure, and there's a check there, just just give it time. And I promise you that if you're patient, you will see God reveal and work. And you'll look back and say, thank the good Lord I didn't jump into that. The second thing that we have to do is this, give space to be offended. Give space to be offended. I had one professor in seminary who said, God allows our minds to be offended to reveal our hearts. And we need to be offended sometimes by Scripture and then be offended by people. Give space for that. That's exactly what Peter did. And you know what? Peter, he straightened up and flew right. Peter's like, yeah, you're exactly right, Paul. Him and Paul didn't have this bad relationship. Everything just broke off. Peter knew exactly what was happening because he received that offense from Paul. I could have taken the email that a staff member sent me with a true, sincere, they had a humble tension they couldn't get past, and they could, couldn't let it go. They weren't being angry, offended, or immature they had really felt in, in their heart from the Lord, this is the issues they had with this decision. And I could have been offended and say, oh, they're just trying, they don't want to do what I want to do. Oh, we need to, uh, they're just not, they're immature. But I listened and I was able to make a good decision. Can I tell you, I have friends in my life who have said some really offensive things to me that have helped me in my life. I, I can't go into all the decisions, but man, they are just amazing. I have one friend I call truth in a bottle. His name's Brian Burgess. He's preached here before. And Brian, if I call him and ask his opinion, he is literally, he will hit me in the mouth with like, like just being as straightforward and blunt as he is. And I need that, right? Give space to be offended. One of my favorite scriptures, and you hear this all the time, because I believe in our society, we think people are our friends who tell us how good we are and how great we are. But scripture tells us something different. And in Proverbs 27, verse 6, it says this. It says, wounds from a sincere friend 
are better than many kisses from an enemy. Wounds from a sincere friend. Listen, I don't know about you, but getting cut is not fun, is it? On any level. If you like pain on that level, our prayer team will be up front after service, seriously, and they will help you because I don't like getting hurt. But it says when it comes to friendship, a good friend will wound you, whereas an enemy will actually flatter you and kiss you and say how great you are. And give space to be offended when you're exploring something and you're thinking about something and ask those honest questions. And finally this morning, let God have room on his timeline. Patience. For David, as I said before, I'll say it again, he was the next king. He wasn't what? The now king. Eventually, Saul would, he would hang himself with his own rope. It was a sword, but you know, you know where I'm going with that. He fell in his own sword. He killed himself. David chose to let God have room on his timeline. Because we're thinking, why is it now? We need it faster. And all those things block good decisions that will honor God in our life. God will send you checks from people, from Scripture, and even internally you're going to feel that check. And my fear is some of us are just going to blow right through those checks, ignore the red flags, and we're going to make a dumb purchase. We're going to get into a doomed relationship, or we're going to enter destructive behaviors, the three Ds we talk about during this series. You know, the reason the Titanic sank was it hit an iceberg. But the reason that it sank was the captain was trying to get as fast as he could to the next destination to beat a record. And an hour before the Titanic sank, he got calls in saying, slow down, there are icebergs out there. And number one, with his physical vision, he couldn't see icebergs. Why? Because 10% and 90%. And they kept calling in. They kept calling in. He got annoyed with it, and he shut the radio off. And the last communication was, stop, I'm busy, and turn it off. And the next thing we know, the unsinkable ship was sunk. People's lives were lost. And the Titanic is a cautionary tale now. What I don't want us to be is Titanic people, Titanic followers of Jesus. This year, you're going to have some decisions to make. You're going to have some purchases to make, some things to do, relationships to enter into. And I want you, when you have that tension, to say, is there a tension that deserves my attention? And what you're going to do is this. You're going to say, when there's a tension, I will pause and give it my attention. Because that's the Holy Spirit speaking to you. When somebody, when everybody else is saying one thing and somebody else out of the blue says, ah, I don't know about that, pause. When, you, when you're wondering about something and you're reading Scripture and all of a sudden you're like, because God, it's amazing how God will work. God will literally, you, you'll open the Bible up and be like, wow, wow. Pay attention to that tension. Let's pray this morning. Father, help us when you bring those checks in our life. Help us to pause. Help us to explore. Help us to be offended by people and by your scriptures. And Lord, help us to trust you in your timeline. I just pray for 2022, we're all going to have some decisions to make. And Lord, some decisions are going to be deceptive. Give us that patience, Lord, in those seasons. And may we be attuned to listen to your Holy Spirit in our hearts, Father. Now, as we're praying this morning, church, whether you're in here physically or watching online today, 
the way that you receive the Holy Spirit in your life is by accepting Jesus, by giving your life to Christ. And maybe you've never done that before. Maybe you walked away from your faith. And somehow today you have found us online or you've walked in here. Today is your day to give your life to Christ. Right where you're at, this is your time. This is the tension that you need to pay attention to. And so I want you to do this. I want you, if you want to give your life to Jesus, you're going to pray this prayer, make this confession of faith after me. And you say, God, I admit I'm a sinner. I admit I need a Savior. And I believe that Jesus is Lord. I believe he died on the cross. And I believe he rose again on the third day. Now, God, I turn away from my old life. I repent, and I receive full forgiveness of sins. Thank you, God, that you've washed me white as snow. Thank you for full forgiveness. Thank you for this fresh start. Now help me to make decisions that honor you.